chatter as an augury of calamity to come. Here is a conspiracy theory for you. The United States is the dominant member of a secret network, along with four other Anglophone powers, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, that intercepts the chatter of people around the planet. The pact between these countries was initiated a half century ago in a document so secret that its existence has never been acknowledged by any of the governments involved, the UK-USA Agreement. The network these countries have developed collects billions of telephone calls, emails, faxes, and telexes every day, and distributes them through a series of automated channels to interested parties in the five countries. In this manner, the United States spies on its NATO allies, and the United Kingdom spies on its EU allies. The network supersedes any other ties of loyalty or affiliation. Each country has laws against spying on its own civilians, but not against having its allies spy on its civilians. And in this manner, the United States will occasionally have the United Kingdom keep an eye on individuals in this country, with the understanding that if Britain turns up anything interesting, it will slide it across the table. The technology used by these five powers to intercept communications is staggeringly sophisticated. Our small vocabulary for describing the act of listening in is rife with anachronisms. In his commentaries on the laws of England, Sir William Blackstone defined eavesdroppers as those who listen under walls or window or the eaves of a house to hearken after discourse and thereupon to frame slanderous and mischievous tales. The word still brings to mind characters hiding behind screens in the plays of Shakespeare or Moliere. Even wiretap is something of a quaint anomaly. Much of the communications interception in the last century involved not tapping wires, but simply plucking signals from the air. Signals intelligence, or SIGINT in the shorthand of politicos and spies, is the little-known name for listening in that is used today by the eavesdroppers themselves. Eavesdropping has become an extraordinarily cutting-edge game, with listening stations inhaling conversations bounced via satellites and microwave towers, spy satellites miles above in space tuning in on radio frequencies on the ground, and silent and invisible Internet bugs clinging, parasite-like, to the nodes and junctures of the information superhighway. Though many Americans are not even aware that it exists, the National Security Agency, the American institution in charge of electronic eavesdropping, is larger than the CIA and the FBI combined. In fact, these better-known intelligence agencies are puny by comparison. Whereas the CIA has roughly 20,000 employees and a budget of approximately $3 billion, the NSA has some 60,000 employees scattered around the planet and its budget is estimated to be as high as $6 billion per year. The United States and the United Kingdom are so intimate when it comes to cooperating on SIGINT that the NSA has a much closer relationship with the British eavesdropping agency, Government Communications Headquarters, or GCHQ, than it does with America's own CIA. The Anglophone network is said to hear absolutely everything, yet its existence remains a secret unknown in some cases even to the legislative bodies of the countries that run it. The network is codenamed Echelon. Like any good conspiracy theory, 
this one contains important elements of truth. Like any good conspiracy, it is also non-falsifiable. While it might be impossible to prove that it's all true, it's also impossible to prove that it's not. And the theory thrives on official denials and refusals to comment. It's the quintessential paranoid fable for the Internet age. It's spread in the epidemic manner that stories online do, and it plays upon anxieties shared by those who channel large amounts of personal information through a network without a solid grasp of how secure that information is in transit. At the same time, despite the supposedly borderless nature of the Internet, this conspiracy theory seems to have taken hold in Europe, but not in the United States. To the extent that stories about Echelon have percolated into the American consciousness, they have done so not through newspapers or the nightly news, but rather via the alarmist folklore of television and fiction. In the popular ABC show Alias, leggy spy Sidney Bristow struggles to access the Echelon system and announces, some people think there's a conspiracy, that the government eavesdrops on everyone. It's no conspiracy. Case Pollard, the heroine of cyberpunk novelist William Gibson's 2003 book Pattern Recognition, also manages to tap into Echelon, a system, Gibson writes, that allows for the scanning of all net traffic. When I first encountered tales about Echelon, they were presented not as fantasy, but as fact. I was a graduate student in the United Kingdom in the late 1990s, when stories about Echelon started appearing in the newspaper. The picture painted was intriguing, a dramatic eavesdropping architecture wrapping itself grid-like around the globe. An invisible infrastructure whereby a select handful of agencies could tap into the chatter of nations and garner an Olympian omniscience, literally hearing everything, all the time. Yet for all the antiseptic geometry of this system, its contours were surprisingly smudgy. It was not clear whether the word echelon stood for one particular satellite interception program or the whole system of Anglophone cooperation on SIGINT. The system was alluded to in quasi-mythological tones, but most reports admitted up front that they were not working on the basis of any corroborated information. The most profound technologies are those that disappear, wrote the computer scientist Mark Weiser in a seminal 1991 article in which he introduced the notion of ubiquitous computing. They weave themselves into the fabric of everyday life until they are indistinguishable from it. In the intervening decade and a half, communications technologies have, in precisely this fashion, disappeared. We take for granted our landlines and cell phones, two-way pagers and wireless-enabled laptops. When Weiser was writing, the telephone was something connected to the wall that teenage children bickered over, and the Internet was for a small few an idea a rumor, and for the vast majority, something closer to science fiction. Today, our relationship with technology is umbilical. My generation was the first to arrive at college to find Internet connections waiting in every dorm room. We cannot live or even imagine a life without access to the web. It is not only that we use this technology daily, but also that we transmit more information than ever before through the wires and over the airwaves. We pay our bills and our taxes online, meet, date, and converse online, 
search for the import of medical symptoms online, and type our most embarrassing and revealing questions and quandaries into Google, all online. We have an intuitive sense that this medium, which we have internalized to the point where it is almost an organic extension of our thoughts and words, is vulnerable to interception, that someone might be listening. But for most of us, this uneasy feeling remains an unsubstantiated hunch, one of the peculiar vagaries of life in a digital age. This book is the story of my efforts to figure out how chatter works, who can listen in, and how they go about it. It is the story of an epic struggle between two abstract concepts, security and privacy, that is playing out amid lightning-fast technological and social change. It's also a story about government secrecy. My endeavors to chart the secret world of signals intelligence were frustrated by something I have come to think of as the SIGINT postulate. There is an inverse proportion between how much a person is willing to talk about signals intelligence and how much he or she actually knows. The fringes of the SIGINT world are peopled by conspiracy theorists and privacy advocates, paranoids, and cranks, colorful characters of dubious credibility. And the heart of that world, the highly classified sanctum of America's intelligence establishment, is home to the lowest profile and most secretive professional tribe on earth, the eavesdroppers themselves. I am not an investigative journalist by training or inclination. When I set out to see what I could discover about global eavesdropping, it was as an average, curious civilian. What I found as I started looking into the means through which the United States and its allies intercept communication.